Thanks for checking out this episode of Business Black Belts. I really appreciate you listening and hope you get some great insights out of today's leader. Let's dive into the show. Welcome back to Business Black Belts. Laura Hoover here with you today. Another fantastic leader with us, Mr. Avanta E. Coda II. He is the CEO of Ports of Indiana. Welcome to the show. Why don't you get us started? Take us a little bit about through who you are, what you're doing, just your entire journey. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, first, thanks for having me. Um, so I have been at the Ports of Indiana for five years now. Um, previous to that, I held the same position at the Duluth Seaway Port Authority. Uh, outside of that, those parameters, I'm, I'm truly a logistics person over 25 years plus in, in the game. Um, so I came to the port industry uh, with a background in transportation and logistic first and foremost. And, and so that flavors a lot of the approach we take now in our um, uh, business. So I'm a little biased um, because I have lived near the port in Burns Harbor for virtually all my life, or at least in cognizant memory of living by the lake. So there's a lot of transportation all around. So I'm very biased towards the, the ports in general. But why, why, why transportation? Why logistics? Like, how did you just fall into that? Yeah, so um, uh, I went to school and uh, have a degree in history and political science. Uh, and started graduate school for architectural history, preservation, renovation. Can't be further away from what I do today. Um, What is a true statement is my father was in transportation. And um, what I realized over time was I really enjoyed his peer group and the the people that he interacted with and what ultimately I, I was drawn to was the fact that in this world, you can't be too uh, egotistical. You can't um, uh, pat yourself too hard on the back because you're only as good as what you did today. And uh, you get reminded and humbled uh, uh, often. And so, the peers that you deal with, um, they've, they've had good days, but they've had days they wish they didn't as well. So um, it's really the people that uh, uh, drew me to the, to the business. And then the business itself is, is exciting. I tell everyone I never had to grow up. Uh, I still play with trains and vessels yeah. and barges and yellow equipment. And so um, I'm still that little boy in a sandbox in many ways of what I get to think about. So a question that I've, I've been very curious about having a little bit more insight in is different industries in the way of innovation. Like logistics seems very straightforward and you need to go from point A to point B and figure out how to get there with some sort of medium. Has there been any kind of innovation within logistics recently, or is it just kind of just like that slow kind of, it's a thing, it happens. Um, like, 
cars, for example, are going through the major shift into hybrid or just fully electric. Is that happening with ships and other kind of transportation? Yeah, so technology plays a huge role in in, uh, innovation, huge role in logistics, uh, um, you know, really over the last 30 years and and into the future, it will still uh, be a process. You know, the things that you pointed out, I will say, are, are right about transportation and, and supply chain and logistics. Um, when it's going well, nobody talks about it. That's when you know things, uh, you've, you've done them right. Um, so this past couple of years with the spotlight on transportation and logistics, um, all of a sudden, you know, many in the general public understand the risks and vulnerabilities that we have as, as citizens with a dysfunctional supply chain and a dysfunctional logistics and transportation system. So, um, you know, it's, it's fair to say that, that when people aren't thinking about logistics, everything's going great. Uh, when they are, that's a problem, right? And so, uh, what I tell our team constantly uh, about um, logistics is it's a race of bigger, better, faster, um, because the the stakes are always higher. You know, you you again, you're only as good as your last day. Um, uh, delivery. Who would have thought? Think about it. Twenty years ago, um, that you would order on Amazon and be mad that it didn't show up the next day. Right. Yep. <laughs> that just tells you how far we've come. Um, and, and in our world, we deal with, the, with the great bigs, you know, huh. big, uh, steel, big agriculture, um, big commodities. And they really are the baseline of the economy. So we, deal in things before they become a car, right? Before they become uh, cooking oil on your shelf, right? And so we're sit from a port perspective in that first layer of value added um, industry. Uh, So it's important, you know, just like any foundation that, uh, uh, your customers and you are operating uh, at, at a high level. Data is always important. I mean, we're going through uh, uh, he, here, um, how much data can we crunch? How much data can we look at? Um, do we see trends? Uh, it's given us tremendous insight into our physical infrastructure. Um, we're lucky in that uh, we get the luxury of thinking in 50 year increments. Uh, Burns Harbor, where you are close to, uh, is a 50-year-old asset. And so when you think of bigger, better, faster, um, a ton is still a ton, as my COO would say. But all of a sudden, that coil of steel that used to be delivered at, you know, five tons is now 15 and going larger. And so we have to be able to to know our infrastructure well enough to know, can we still handle that? Yeah. So, <clears throat> and 
I know um, there, there has been a lot of discussion in, in the recent years, obviously with climate change and how that's affecting the Great Lakes. Has that come into an, in like, like an impact? Because I know um, on the beachfront, like Indiana Dunes National Lakeshore um, or just the state park has very much been concerned, at least on the public view of the, the shrinking lakeshore. Does that come into effect on the port side as well? Um, because it's such an old establishment, uh, obviously it goes through renovations um, and stuff on the Great Lakes, but like erosion is also, you know, a major factor just in life in general. Yeah, so um, we're we're an outdoor sport. Uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, the the lake is the boss. Uh, Mother Nature um, typically uh, rules uh, what you can and can't do. Um, if you think of what we do as far as um, the ports and its infrastructure, we're fighting um, you know natural tendencies all the time. You know, so we're trying to keep a small little area devoted to uh, industry that gets high water, low water, um, wind events. Uh, um, so we have to be very cognizant of, of changing environments and, and climate. Uh, you know, since I've been in this, uh, in the Great Lakes as an industry, you know, we went from uh, low water to to the prediction was everything's going to dry up to high waters at the, the historic levels. And, um, in, in my, uh, forecast, I would say that's probably going to continue. We're going to see wild swings. And I think you see that throughout, um, uh, the transportation system and, uh, really our country, uh, you know, with, with hurricanes, we had a hurricane uh, yeah. in Florida in November, yeah. um, one of the latest uh, hurricanes we've had in, in quite some time. So uh, there's a lot of uh, weather challenges that we need to understand. When we talk about climate change, we, uh, and again, uh, if we're thinking in terms of 50 years, we have to put that into our calculus and uh, think about, well, how does this look 50 years from now? And, and are we making the right decisions? Um, so some of our decisions, we, we, we really say grace over for a long time before we do it because we're putting steel in the ground and, and making commitments for long periods of time. Now, does shipping also become harder in different seasons? I know the Great, I, I know the great Lakes um, and... Um, you know, history prevails, you know, Lake Superior has its own challenges versus Lake Michigan has its own challenges. And Lake Erie has its own because they're all different depths and they all are different latitudes and longitudes, you know. But I've also noticed the ice shelves in Lake Michigan creeping higher and higher for longer periods of time the past few years. Is ice a factor just as much as midsummer is a factor? Or is it kind of all treated the same because i know like on roads two different factors two different ways that you know the, the those things affect transportation uh whether it be trucks or cars um and then jet streams subsequently with airplanes um 
but shipping is something I, I've never gotten into much. Is, do those factors really impact the speed or uh, the safety of transportation? Oh, absolutely. Um, so for the Great Lakes, the, the seaway system, um, it has an opening and a closing, which is unique to our system um, from an international standpoint versus a coastal port that, gotcha, that yeah. really won't close down. Uh, we need time for lock maintenance, um, and that really... Um, <laughs> They would argue um, that uh, me, me making this statement, uh, the best time to do it is in the winter because of the ice. Um, although from a, a construction standpoint, I'm sure that the people who are out there doing the work would say, no, that's a horrible time. Um, but it's the most convenient time. We'll just leave it at that. Um, where the ice has been really uh, um a factor is opening and closing. Um, and, and what we, what we advocate for within the great lakes is, Hey, we need greater, um, ice breaking capabilities. And that's a, uh, a U.S. coast guard function for federal channels. And, uh, one of the big pushes for us as an industry is to get funding for a heavy duty icebreaker to replace the one we lost. Um, it was the, uh, the Mackinac, um, which was a very stout yeah. icebreaker. And so we, we, you know, lobby our, our congressional, um, folks across the great lakes to facilitate that. Um, the ice challenge is real and, um, uh, the, there was a study that, that was done, I want to say it's five or six years ago, and it was a study on the, the economic effect of the closing of the Sioux locks, the Pollocks, and that's the majority of the, the um, Laker traffic. Lakers are, are ships that don't leave the system. They stay within the Great Lakes. We call the the international vessels are called salties. That's just kind of a, a vernacular we use. But um, the uh, the real transit that is um, that would cause the United States a great amount of, of pressure is if the Pollock and the Sulocks if they go down um, for six months, it would be equivalent to um, the great recession we had in 09. And if you think about that, that's, that's just a tremendous impact that, that really, um, not many people think about, but it's that molecule of iron ore coming domestic iron ore coming through into the lower lakes, uh, where, we sit in Burns Harbor, we're surrounded by really the biggest patch of value that um, is derived from that supply chain. Yeah, you got so it. Yeah. if that event happened, you would see the potential for 20% unemployment within the state. And that seems unrealistic. So I was once asked this question, 
do you believe that number? And I said, okay, well, what if I'm wrong? What if it's only 18? Who wants to find out? I mean, yeah, no one, <laughs> no one does. That's too much pain for, for, um, and that's just our state and the other great lake states, Michigan, uh, would be in the same boat as us. So it would be, uh, uh, a real devastating event. Um, so back to the ice, the, the, the maintenance of the locks is very important to us. Um, we want to make sure that happens. Um, uh, the, the ice is the biggest effect. The longer it goes on, uh, the more economic impact it, it has. And that's really why we advocate for the, um, uh, the heavy icebreaker. That's a long answer. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. Because my <laughs> next question is, how do you start thinking about and then subsequently planning for some of these things that are potential catastrophes, right? Like, how do you start to like, okay, we have our, you know, day-to-day little fires that we need to put out and plan for and fix. But then I also got these massive challenges that seem uncontrollable almost or spontaneous. How do you start thinking about those and like digesting it? Yeah. Um, first you have to plan and you have to bake that into your, your infrastructure. Uh, when you do your infrastructure projects, you have to really think about, uh, again, that 50 years of, of servitude. And, um, I'll tell you, we won't go, um, uh, catastrophe, but Burns Harbor is a great example where we're thinking about, okay, a lot of our customers are talking about, you know, zero admissions, going green. What does that mean? What does that look like? What does that look like for us to remain competitive and make Northwest Indiana and Burns Harbor still an economic engine? And so we did a energy study um, last year and um, we learned a lot. Um, one of the things we discovered is um, we could potentially become uh, renewable energy sufficient for uh, our footprint. And in addition to that, we could uh, help in reliability and sustainability um, by layering in a microgrid across our port. So these were outcomes of the study. And one of the offshoots was um, we handle or see at the port 350,000 plus trucks. And what became apparent to us is a lot of those vehicles are, are just making short shuttles either just outside the port or even within the port. And so we were a perfect candidate to start to think about big electric class eight vehicles. And we held a um, demonstration in August and had some really good feedback. And, and I believe that that started a conversation about how we could contribute um, to keeping our region sustainable. And uh, it not only, when we penciled it out, um, had green benefits or environmental benefits for the region. You know, you think of 
you know, 350,000 trucks and all the diesel that it, that takes. If you convert that to electric, um, the diesel savings is huge from an economic standpoint, which, which is telling for our businesses, but also um, that carbon reduction is also huge. And so um, uh, we believe that there's that beginning conversation will eventually snowball into a reality. And so that's one of the ways we get to think about, um, um, you know, again, the next 50 years and how do we, how do we contribute and how do we deal with, with these um, uh, environments that are changing around us and still be sustainable uh, and economically viable. I mean, that is huge, especially in that area. Like, you got the steel mills, you have the refinery, and then you also have, like you said, all the transportation. Like, you have a few of the, the biggest roads in the country. I mean, Crossroads of America kind of solidifies in northwest Indiana with all the truck traffic 24-7, with all the train traffic. Um, and, and, and that's just a small portion of land mass. Like, extrapolate that out and that becomes huge. Um, but jumping ship per se for a little bit, uh, turning into a, to a, a, a new course, what would you say um, would be one of the biggest things that you do to kind of get away from business for a bit to kind of de-stress or put that out of your, your uh, present kind of mindset? Uh, just to be able to come back, let's say like Monday and just like regroup. Oh, I'm a real oddball. So I don't <laughs> think I ever really turn it off. Uh, I think about, um, uh, you know, what we could do better. Um, but I have a, a, a wonderful wife and, and I'm raising three boys that uh, keep me really busy. Um, uh, they, the, and they're all so different. Um, uh, from from sports to uh, arts to uh, outdoors, um, so we've got such a uh, a great mix within our house of those activities. Um, uh, here recently, one of our our big adventures, um, we went to Colorado and literally hit every national park in Colorado uh, within a week and and jumped out of the car hiked the trail went into a cave and so um uh, that's not always a, a typical vacation but um uh, really fun stuff uh and very uh impactful we still uh, talk about uh, vacations like that that we've had so yeah. um we, we try to keep really active and, and curious that's amazing. Um, I would say if you ever get the chance, one of my favorite places in Indiana, at least, is Turkey Run um, State Park. So if you've never We've been, been there. there. Yes, uh, we yeah, have. Good. <laughs> More than once. Yep. That's, uh, uh, that's one of my wife's favorites, as a matter of fact. So it is, good choice. It's just so different. It's so different in comparison to what you typically see driving to and from, you know, lengthwise of the state. So, yeah. Um, yeah. That, that is always... I try to get out there about, about once a year, if I can. 
but yeah, that's always favorite of mine. Well, I you you live right next to one of the crown jewels. I mean, it's true. Uh, that is very true. Uh, I get out there about once a week. So. Yeah, so you're 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 a little spoiled. I am, to be honest I'm with you, very spoiled. Like <laughs> being able to go to the uh, state, uh, the Indiana Dunes State Park is so amazing. Like just being yeah. able to like just pop up there for a day, <laughs> just like oh, it's fifteen minutes away. It's fine. It stays there. Yeah, no, it's great. Uh, you know, it's so close to the port. We, uh, uh, if I if I knock off a, a meeting early, uh, I'll I'll run over and 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 you know yeah. romp around just for a little bit before I head back. I don't tell anybody that, so don't don't let the secret out. I won't. It's not like it's a podcast or anything. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yes, I want to thank you so much for coming on Business Black Belts. It's been an absolute pleasure for uh, for you to come on. If anyone wants to get in contact with you, more about the ports, more about you, is LinkedIn going to be the best way? Is it going to be email? Is it going to be website? Yeah, so our website is great. Um, and uh, uh, we have many avenues to get in contact with us uh, uh, that, uh, through that medium. Um uh, Jennifer Hansen is uh, our PR person, and she fields a lot of questions that way. And uh, she's great about uh, uh, coordinating uh, our our schedules and and what's coming up. And uh, she does a great uh, email. Uh, she calls it the report. Report uh, oh. capital. She's very clever. Um, like it. But it, it kind of gives a, a quick um, summary of some of the, the happenings uh, at each one of the ports or, or some events that really affect us. And um, uh, it's very readable. Uh, and you could just sign up for that and it comes out uh, really monthly. Awesome. Sign up, get some awesome information monthly. Uh and yeah, listen about the ports of Indiana, which I am just slightly biased of. <laughs> but like I said, thank you so much for coming on. It was an absolute pleasure. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And then same to all of our listeners. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of Business Black Belts. Should you want to see more content on both the show, marketing, and business in general, feel free to check out my LinkedIn. Thanks. Thanks.